It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Lacombe trying to fish it free, does come free. Troy Terry has the puck, trying to get away from Tomas Hurdle. Terry back to center. A couple of good shifts, the puck down the offensive zone, got a couple of shots. Hurdle to the top of the circle, right wing side, throw quickly on net, two hurdle, backhander, they score! A loose puck is dug home, and the Sharks have leveled the score. It's going to be Luke Cunning on the board, and we're tied at 1-1. You know, the difference in the game, to my mind, were the two power plays, right? I thought the first period we had some great chances, and it was five, up and down, it was an even game. I thought for a stretch we were... Yeah, I mean kind of the way things have gone right and you know but after a good first period I you know I just you know our power play's got to be better I mean you know the difference in the game to my mind were the two power plays right I thought the first period we had some great chances and it was five up and down it was an even game I thought for a stretch we were kind of playing at the tempo and the pace we wanted to and then they get the power play goal late in the first to make it two to one um, and then we get our power plays and it just really deflated us I mean really you know, not a lot of pace, not a lot of urgency to our power play right now. And, you know, you may not score, but you need to gain some momentum off your power play, and that's not happening right now. All right, good morning, everyone. That was Nick Nolenberger filling in for Dan Rusinowski yesterday while he's off in Toronto getting inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And then some David Quinn after that. Uh, to David Quinn's point, yeah, the Sharks yesterday 0 of 2 on the power play, and they gave up two power play goals to the Ducks, that's the difference between a 4-1 final and a 2-1 scoreline, which is much more manageable. And the fourth goal that Anaheim did score, that was one that was just kind of a fluky play that Mackenzie Blackwood never had a chance to really see. And that's the way it goes on a night like that against Anaheim. And, you know, where the Sharks are right now, they are capable of beating not great teams at home. We saw them beat Philadelphia. We saw them beat Edmonton. But to put, beat a team like uh, and Anaheim, as well as they've been playing up to this point of the year, uh, you need to be better on special teams. And that goes from being a 2-1 game, very much manageable and very much a game in which the Sharks have an opportunity to giving up two goals early in the third period that completely changed the complexion of the game. You take a bad penalty earlier in the third uh, that sets you up for a bad situation and you don't have a response. And you give up goals, you put yourself in the hole, you're on the road, you're chasing the game. That simply is not going to end well for where the Sharks are right now and who they're lacking on offense. You haven't had Logan Couture all year long. That's been an issue. Barabanov has been hurt for a while, and then Duclair is out currently with illness, which you might be able to tell from my voice. I can relate to that, uh, but yeah, the Sharks just don't have the horses, and right now that seems to be, in my opinion, the main issue, and 
I know that's obvious. You pointed out that they don't have the talent level of the opposition, but when you take their talent level even lower, it's going to hurt. And you see that when they don't have Duclair out there with the creativity and the playmaking ability that he has shown up to this point of the year, when you combine that with the absence of Logan Couture and Alexander Barabanov, it it hurts the team. And you, you've had some other issues also. Benning, another one of those guys who's not been able to uh, be his normal self due to injury. It adds up. And like I said, the Sharks don't have the horses for the most part to begin with. And when you keep on taking players out of their lineup and you combine that with some poor special teams play, like you heard David Quinn alluding to on the way in, it's going to end up to a result that's not um, not satisfactory. And like what hurts is that I didn't think the Sharks played particularly poorly last night. I just thought that they were not good enough or deep enough or error free enough to put themselves in a position to win that game, which is ultimately what it takes to win a lot of games on the road in the NHL because the Ducks, while they are good, they're not amazing. They're not some team that I wouldn't say the Sharks have, you know, no chance of beating. You know, like you look at what they have faced in, you know, a team like Colorado and Vegas up to this point of the year, even though they played really well against Colorado, those are going to be much more difficult games for the Sharks to win. Where San Jose is right now, you look at, um, you know, a team like Anaheim, it's like, yeah, that's, that's within their realm. Anaheim is good, but they're not incredible. They should have a chance. Uh, but the Sharks didn't give themselves that chance. And that's that's what's another aspect of this is like if you are where the Sharks are right now, if you get chances on the power play, you've got to be that much better. If you have a penalty kill opportunity, you've got to kill those off in totality. You can't take bad penalties in bad situations. You can't have inopportune moments. That's not where this team is right now. And I would love to say that they were, but no, I mean, that's not that's not what we've seen up to this point of the year. And you know, they have had games where they've been better than others, and last night was not one of those amazing games from the Sharks, but it just wasn't one of those terrible games from the Sharks like we saw against, you know, Tampa or, you know, the Pens or against Vancouver. It just simply wasn't enough on the road to beat a team like Anaheim. Ultimately, the Sharks have got to get to a place where they are able to beat teams like Anaheim on the road, and that's a growth process that might not happen this year but hopefully it will happen next year and as they continue into the future of where the franchise is. But, you know, I, I think right now you have to look at this and be honest with yourself and think to yourself, okay, did the Sharks, you know, did they shoot themselves in the foot in this game? Ultimately, yes. Had they not shot themselves in the foot in this game, would they have had a better chance of getting a win or a point? And then you can say, yes, that's also where this game was. But, you know, they need to be literally perfect in these games. I mean, if you look at their wins this point of the year, 2-1 and 3-2, those are very clean, very, very good games where they have been about as close to perfect as you can ask for. And, you know, you have to take advantage of your power play. You have to be good on the penalty kill. You have to have your goalie having a great night. You've got to be just clean across the board. You can't be turning the puck over. And then, you know, in this game, while they weren't particularly, like I've said, they weren't particularly bad in any way, shape, or form, but it was simply not good enough to get themselves anything out of this game except for frustration. And, you know, you did see some good work going on early in the game. You know, you're down one nothing on the road. You have a response. You make it 1-1, and then it's a 2-1 game entering the third, which for a lot of teams in the NHL, if you're only down by a goal entering the third period, that is a winnable situation. And I think that that's the type of growth that you're looking for. I mean, if we compare it to what they were against, you know, Carolina on the road or some of their other road performances, and the Sharks have not won a road game yet this year. That's something to be focused on as well, and that's, an area where they need to take that step forward, but they were in a winnable position. And I'm not saying that's the be-all, end-all, but did they have a chance entering the third period? Yeah, they did. 
But the problem is, is when you combine that chance, you give up two goals in the first period, you're down 2-1 overall. You made it 1-1, but you gave up another goal after that. But you're down 2-1 entering the third period after a scoreless frame in the second. That is a situation where you would hope to be able to look to some of your big guns and say, okay, here we go. But who are the Sharks' big guns right now? There is historically Hurdle, but he hasn't been, you know, in terms of goal scoring production, quite what you've wanted from him. And I, I hope that that does pick up as he gets deeper into this season. But you look to the rest of the guys, and it's that Zetterlin's had a good start. Zadina's had, you know, some nice goals. Um, Granlin needs to kind of pick up his production. And, you know, that's where you start looking for a guy like Logan Couture in particular, not just his overall scoring ability, but his playmaking ability. I mean, that's where this team is right now. You don't have those guys that you can look back to and say, all right, here you go. And I think that's something you've seen with Tomas Hurdle where he's looking around, where he's saying, okay, you know, where are the other guys I can rely on? He's probably realizing that he's got to look to himself and probably putting himself in a little bit of a pressure-packed situation. And while I understand that, if you're going to put the pressure on yourself, then you need to be able to perform in those situations. Otherwise, you're just beating yourself up and you're getting in kind of a doom loop where you're angry that you don't score, you don't score, and then you're angry. And then you're angry that you don't score, and then you don't score, and then you're angry. You know, it's that continual process that we have seen from Hurdle, and listen, I wish that was not the case, but uh, I kind of feel like for a large part, that's where he is, and, you know, the Sharks got shut out against Vegas. They only got one goal in this game against Anaheim. They have not been able to score goals at will in any way, shape, or form, and that certainly has been the case uh, when they've been on the road, and I'm looking at all their road performances up to this year, and they have not scored more than one goal on the road. I mean, that's that's frightening, and all of their shutouts have uh, come on the road as well. So right now, this is a uh, this is an issue. You know, the Sharks have only scored more than one goal this year a handful of times, and they've not been able to do so on the road. In fact, they've been shut out on the road now three times, in addition to only scoring one goal in every road game up to this point of the year, seven, and that's that's a problem. I mean, it's you guys see the issue, right? I mean, I hope I'm not beating a dead horse, but what I the horse analogies today. But when, I, but when I look at this team, they literally don't have the horses. They don't have the guys to go out there and score these goals and give themselves the opportunity. And yes, you might have nights where certain guys have good games. You might have the overall growth process going on from the team, but there isn't the reliable entity as it exists right now. And that's where the franchise is overall. I wish that were not the case. I wish they wish they did have the horses. I wish they did have opportunities uh, to give themselves just that much more but right now, where they are, uh, it is ultimately, it's going to be a rough go for the San Jose Sharks to get their offense going, especially without Logan Couture, especially without Alexander Barabanov, especially without Anthony Duclair. I don't know how much longer he's going to be out with illness, but you know these things have a cumulative effect, and it's also an exponential effect because not only do you not have their ability, you don't have their overall problems on the ice that they cause for the opposition, and you're putting guys into their slots, and they're not as good, and it's just... It is, uh, it's cumulative. It's logarithmic. It's just, it's got an effect that's more than just an absence. It reduces the overall talent level of the team of where they, you know, don't have tons to begin with. And until they get those guys back out there on the ice, it's going to rear its head as this team not being enough. And so, you know, you do have these games where you've had really good performances from a Mackenzie Blackwood or Capo Kakinen, but ultimately is not enough. I mean, these guys stand on their head, but they get pummeled in terms of shots and they do get chopped down. I mean, you know, I, I can't particularly blame Blackwood for anything last night. The fourth goal most definitely was not uh, his fault. And then two of those goals came on on power plays for the Ducks. And 
that's that's a tough go against it. And, you know, these guys, both Capo and Blackwood, are putting in good performances, but when you get the number of shots that they're giving up overall, when you have to do that much work, when you're put in that many difficult situations, it has an effect. And right now, you know, hopefully you can bring this back on home ice and have a little bit of a, of a better performance on Tuesday night, but it's not going to be easy because you're hosting the Panthers, um, and that's definitely a, a challenge. They were talking about this on the Audio Network broadcast last night where the Sharks can probably look at Anaheim and where they were and use that as kind of a, um, well, uh, not a hope, but just an, an example of what they are trying to go through, the lean years right now, as you would call it, and say you can get through this and come out clean on the other side. I mean, all these teams have had to do it. Detroit's had to do it. LA's had to do it. Anaheim's had to do it. Tampa had to do it. Colorado had to do it. And now we're looking at what the Sharks are trying to build themselves back into. It's not the most fun right now, right? But there is a point to this. I mean, that's the thing that I get frustrated on is fans talking about how the Sharks got to this point. And I, you know, commented on this the other day on Reddit because somebody had said, oh, you know, they lost Burns, they lost Timo, and, you know, they decided to acquire Carlson and let Pavelski go. And it's like, no, that's not how things went down. And I, I get angry when people put it that way because they viewed Kane as the younger replacement to Pavelski, and they brought in Carlson and as another way to extend the window and give themselves an opportunity to keep it going. And listen, I, I get that. That's the Bill Walsh ideology of, you know, better to get rid of these guys a year too early than a year too late. Now, obviously, it didn't work. I, I understand that. It didn't work. But once they got down that path to where they realized it wasn't working, okay, what did they do? You know, they got it in GM Mike Greer, and he started making these difficult moves. They didn't lose Brenton Burns. They traded Brent Burns in a move to the future. They didn't lose Timo Meyer. They traded Timo Meyer in a move that builds for the future. Right now, you are seeing a concerted effort to where the Sharks have brought in bad contracts, where they have brought in guys on one-year deals, where they have tried to reorganize cap space. And the Sharks' cap space, if you look towards the future, it's going to get a lot better in a real hurry. And things have the ability to turn around fast, but you've got to go through years like this where you've got to have bad contracts, like I said, get things off the books, try and situate yourself for the future. And then once you do that, you bring in these young draft picks, you build young talent, you bring in new players, and you give yourself a chance for the future. That, to me, is ultimately what the Sharks are going through right now. And yes, this year might not be fun. Last year might not be very much fun to look back on. But when they start building towards the future, I think things change in, in a real big hurry. And it might not happen next year, but it might. They might be able to bring in some free agents who give themselves the opportunity to start building with this young talent. I mean, you, you watch William Eklund. You tell me he doesn't make you excited for the future. I called the Barracuda game yesterday because Noli was calling the Sharks game. Thomas Bordalo is a player, guys. He is a playmaker. He will get his opportunity. I think he needs a little bit more polish to his game, obviously, and a little bit more experience. But right now, making him hungry, making him have that desire, that to me is absolutely magnificent. And I think that if he keeps on playing the way he's been playing, yeah, you're going to find him in the NHL in a real hurry and I wouldn't be surprised if that call-up happens sooner rather than later because the way he's been playing as of late uh, is pretty impressive. I've been to those last two Barracuda games. I've been watching Bordelow have an impact, and uh, I hope he gets a chance up with the Sharks uh, sooner rather than later. And I understand the desire of maybe not want to frustrate him and put him in a difficult situation because the Sharks right now are not in a smooth um, situation in terms of winning, but 
you know, the, the talent is there, guys. Like, there is work coming down the pipeline, especially you look at, you know, where Will Smith can potentially be be uh, heading towards the future. You also look at, you know, just where some of the other guys are. It's, it's pretty exciting. It, it's pretty exciting about what's coming down the pipeline. I know it doesn't make right now any easier to deal with, but, guys, it's it's coming. It's coming. Right now is difficult, but the future, it's going to get brighter a lot quicker than a lot of you realize. All right, we are going to take a break. On the other side, I'm going to give you a tease of our upcoming Dan Rusinowski special. Also going to hear a little bit more from head coach David Quinn. That's all coming up next on the Sharks Audio Network. You're on Morning Tide. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Uh, what do you got to do on the power play to get that pace and momentum? There's just got to be way more mental alertness and uh, anticipation. We get a puck and it's slow and we... You know, we just don't have a work ethic in our power play right now, and that's, uh, you got to work at it. You can't just say, oh, we've got five and they've got four. That's just that's not how this works, and, you know, we're just not getting anything out of it right now. Yeah, power play not there for the Sharks right now, and that's just where the offense has been this year. And when your offense is where the Sharks is right now, not productive, you've got to be able to score those power play goals, but it hasn't been there. Um, they are hesitant on the power play. They do not enter the zone with speed. It's hesitance, and I, it's something that needs rectifying. I don't know how quickly they can rectify it, uh, but it is a major point of concern for where the Sharks are right now. It's been problematic um, you know, uh, all throughout the season, and right now it doesn't show much in terms of the way of getting better, but there are many, many games left to play. I did want to give you all a taste of Dan Rusinowski's Hall of Fame special, just some cuts from some of the broadcasters we will be featuring in this special. And to give you an idea who we talked to, uh, Greg Papa, Tim Roy, Ken Korak, Ted Robinson, Randy Hahn, Doug Wilson, Joe Will, Patty Marlowe, Joe Starkey, George Kingston, Cooch, Hurdle, Mario, Owen Nolan, Todd McClellan, Brett Hedekin. I mean, just, and I'm forgetting a couple names in there all over the place, but we, you know, we got a lot of good names in here talking about Dan and his career. I think you're all going to enjoy it a lot. Let's start off with, Randy Hahn talking about what makes Dan a Hall of Fame broadcaster. Well, number one, longevity, uh, except for that brief period. And I think it was 2000 when he uh, was involved in what turned out to be a very serious uh, car accident um, in between the morning skate and the night of a game. Um, and I think he missed almost 30 games there. Other than that, he's been the constant. Uh, if you're a Sharks fan that goes back to those old days in the Cow Palace, and keep in mind, in those days, uh, the schedule probably was 82 games, and I think at one point swelled to 84 games and then went back to 82. Anyway, the Sharks did not televise every game. I think in those first two years, we might have televised 48 games a season, and then it would gradually move to 52 and 56 and so on to, to eventually now, of course, where for quite some time we've been televising all the games. But in those early years, Sharks fans relied on the radio for their only 
uh, ability to follow what was going on with the team on a live basis. So Dan's uh, call was uh, was primal. They they needed that to stay in touch, and he has been that constant thread for Sharks fans for all, all those years and um, his ability to articulate in a very professional manner, a very educated manner. Uh, I mean, Dan, Dan is an MBA. (laughs) He's a smart guy. Uh, He went to Clarkson to get his um, uh, graduate degree after going to St. Lawrence. So very smart kid when he came out of school and, and also uh, a very loyal uh, person, uh, Dan's an Eagle Scout. <laughs> you know, that's a not many people who go into that whole scouting thing become Eagle Scouts, but Dan's one of those, and it gives you an idea of his perseverance, his dedication. I think all those attributes, along with the longevity and and his positivity, his love for the sport, his love for the game, uh, I couldn't be happier, and I can't think of anybody uh, more deserving of being. Uh, honored with the Foster Hewitt Award. And I, I think Danny is one of those old, he's a little bit old school, very old school in the way he looks at the game and reflects back at the game when he was young. And I think he is so proud that he is now going to be uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame under the name Foster Hewitt, because I think Foster Hewitt uh means everything to Danny in the way that Foster Hewitt was a pioneer. And Danny has, in some ways, modeled himself after uh, that kind of tradition that Foster Hewitt brought to the National Hockey League. And to that first point that Randy made, the longevity, Oakland A's broadcaster Ken Korak talked about how Dan has been able to stay and last for so long. I don't know. I just think you have to, I think, especially in the case of radio, one thing that's really important, and, and then I've talked to some of the young broadcasters I've tried to help out over the years, you have to well, you have to wear well over time. So, you know, and I've, I've, you can sound good on a highlight, but can you sound good over the course of sixty minutes in the in the case of a hockey game? So I think wearing well, uh, he sounds great. He's incredibly professional. Let's face it, he's very good at his job. And he described in terms of being the eyes and ears of an audience, and especially when it pertains to hockey, said to be able to do that. I can't imagine doing it. You know, I did basketball for you, mm-hmm. as you know, for years. But and people say, well, you can do basketball. You can do hockey. I don't I don't buy that <laughs> because uh, following the puck and the puck small and their line changes and players coming in and out. You've got to know names and numbers of tons of different players and do it so quickly. And to do it and paint that word picture for people on the radio, uh, he is really a master of his craft. And being a master of his craft is a good reason of why you get into the Hall of Fame. Here's Greg Pop. I asked him, what does Dan do best as a broadcaster? Everything. I, I, he's technically sound. And it's a hard game to announce. It's a hard game to announce on television. Um and it's a hard game to announce on radio. And I think when you hear radio and TV, um, and I listen to, I grew up listening to, to Dan Kelly, um, you know, doing it, or Rick Janaret, Ted Darling in Buffalo. It's the one sport where the radio call and the television call really is, is the most similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Dan, it's just, he's very clear. I mean, I just think as a broadcaster, you know, when I, when I said he's clear, correct and concise um you know those are the three c's that are 
um, you know, the great PA voice of the New York Yankees, Yankee Stadium, Bob Shepard used that line about his broadcasting and 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 Bob was a a professor. He actually taught broadcasting. Um and that's what he wanted the first spray. When I hear Dan, um I think all the years on radio, I can always tell when an announcer's done just television or if they have a background in radio and Dan clearly not only has a background in radio, he's Dan Marconi. He's been doing it so long, but he's just so clear concise and correct where um you just you understand every single word you understand the description of the game um there's no mumbling and fumbling and what do they say there it's just it comes across extremely articulate so um when i hear a dan rusinowski broadcast i just i'm very impressed by his ability to enunciate pronunciate and, and cut above the crowd noise and just deliver um, the correctness of the call and he's always out of it. And then obviously he knows the game. He knows when to set it up, when to lay it back. And then his, his goal calls are always exciting. And I, you know, that's why I go crazy on touchdown calls in football. I've always likened them to goal calls in hockey mm-hmm. where you're not going to have many, you know, you may have four would be a lot. Five's an extreme amount. So those are the ones and you know, people, certain teams could control the play and, the shots on goals or the yardage can be lopsided for one side or the other, but ultimately what decides it is a, a touchdown call or a goal call. And I think those are the moments you have to rise up to. So, so it's just Dan's diction, his detail, um, his word choice. And then you got to be able in hockey uh, to rise to the big moments. And he certainly does all of that. Again, that's the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. And I asked the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy, what sets Dan apart? I would say uh, attention to detail. You know, uh, one of the great things about doing hockey as my first sport, minor league and and, and uh, college, was the fact that, you know, you have to learn how to work at a quick, uh, quick pace and you have to no details. You can't guess. You can't be looking down at your, you know, spotting board in hockey or else the play is gone. The red light's on. You're wondering what the heck happened. <laughs> so uh, he he knows the details of the players involved and the sport involved and the teams involved. So he doesn't have to, you know, look at a spotting board. He knows it. it's ingrained in him. And so uh, he's done his research. And that's what I would say is that you have to be able to, to know that stuff without – you know, taking the uh, the time to look down or whatever, you know. And the other part is because he knows all that stuff, he's never surprised with substitution. And what do I mean by that? Is that in hockey, it's really the one sport where guys are subbed into the lineup while you're looking the other way. <laughs> you're looking down at the you know the left side of the rink, and they're coming off the bench on the right side of the rink, and you know, and you have to know who those guys are. You can't guess. You can't look down. And so uh, that kind of detail is great training for any announcer, and I would highly recommend it. But it's also, you know, one of the reasons why Danny has separated himself from from other announcers, and that is that attention to detail. So those are just four of the voices you are going to hear on this special. Also, uh, I think Jimmy Baker, I don't know if I mentioned that Bakes was on there as well, but, you know, just talking to all these voices, talking to all these guys, so many just cool conversations and cool stories. I got a story about Tim Roy, about he and Dan, uh, you know, how far they go back. You hear about Jamie Baker talking about these things, Todd McClellan, Joe Starkey. It's just, it's really, really fun 
to hear all these different stories and hear all these different messages and hear Dan, you know, just being heralded as the uh, the legend of broadcasting that he is at this point. The one thing that I keep on coming back to with Dan is that it doesn't happen by accident. Like people talk about these things, people share these stories, people have these, you know, just immediate thoughts about Dan and his broadcasting. And that, again, does not happen by accident. And we're obviously spoiled with the voices that we have in the Bay Area. Uh, I would uh, say our franchise is right up there at the top with uh, the amount of high-quality broadcasters we have. I mean, you've got Nick Nolenberger stepping in and sounding um, phenomenal last night, like he has been calling NHL games his entire life. I mean, that kind of ability to have one somebody of that level step in while you've also got Randy Hahn on TV. I mean, we're, we're very, very lucky here with the Sharks. We're very, very blessed all over the Bay Area. But, you know, Dan is getting this honor for a reason. And the special, I think, you will really, really enjoy. And I hope that you have a chance to listen. It's going to be an hour long. I'm excited for it. I hope you are excited for it as well. The Sharks get a practice day today. And then Tuesday, they are playing host to Florida. And then Thursday, they are playing host to St. Louis. And then they get Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So that's, I think, a huge, huge help to them to get a couple of days off. Then they will be hosting Vancouver again, hopefully trying to get a little revenge against them. Then they travel to Seattle to take on Kraken for the first time this year. Then they're back home on the 24th playing host to Montreal. And then the next day right back at it hosting Vancouver. So uh, exciting times coming up for the Sharks. I think that they will be able to bounce back with some better performances. And I know that, you know, it's been rough on the road up to this point of the year. And right now, these these next stretch of games, it's not going to be easy. But I am excited to see what the Sharks can do because it was very difficult to go off those two wins out onto the road against a team like Vegas, the defending Stanley Cup champions who have gotten off to such a good start. And then a team like Anaheim, which is on the rise. All of the Sharks have been shorthanded in terms of their top tier talent. That wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. I will see you all on Tuesday afternoon as we get ready for the Panthers on the buildup. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.